Amen. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed that and that was a blessing to you, put it in the chat. Amen. Uh, which is a, a church word that means may it be so, or I'm in agreement with this. And that was a beautiful song. And I want you to get the chat up because I have a question for you. And I would love for you to actually respond right now. Uh, some people told me they're watching on the TV through like YouTube and then everybody in their house has like six tablets so they can type. Uh, but I have discovered during this pandemic that it seems to be there are two fundamentally different types of people. There are those people who during this time uh, who have been cleaning out their closets, cleaning out their houses, decluttering, getting rid of so much stuff. Maybe we'll call them the minimalist. And there's another group of people, uh, maybe maximalist is the word, or these are the people who instead of getting rid of stuff during this time have been collecting items during this time, maybe stockpiling different items and, and gathering and ordering new stuff because you don't know what the future holds. And so you want to be ready. You're maybe, maybe you're a prepper. So you're trying to get stuff ready. So you've been accumulating stuff during this season. So there seems to be two different types of people, the minimalists and then the stockpilers. And I want you to put it in the chat, which type of person you are. And if people in your household differ, I'd love to hear that as well. So are you a minimalist or a stockpiler? Now the minimalists, I think those can best be illustrated by the fact that goodwill has shut down and they're not accepting donations anymore because you have been taking all of your stuff there and they're overwhelmed and they don't have anywhere to do it or people to process it right now. And so people are just dumping all of their stuff outside of their buildings and it's creating a lot of chaos. That's what the minimalists are doing. And now the the stockpilers, uh, that's who I kind of identify with. We're doing a little bit different. They can be best illustrated by me going to the grocery store and I look on the shelf and I, I think, you know what? This might not be here next time I'm here. So I better not just get one thing of Oreos. I better get two or three things of Oreos. I better get extra cookie dough because we don't know what's going to run out next, right? And so we need to be ready for what the future holds. And so um, I've, I've, I've been to the store and I go to the store for our family. And lately, Emily's voice has been in my head saying, Jonathan, just put it back, just get one item because she's more of a minimalist during this time. And so uh, Becca says she's a minimalist, but she's the only one in the house. I like that. Uh, some people are saying they're both. Um, Eddie is a stockpiler. And now look, I, I have no judgment, whatever you are. I wish I was more of a minimalist, but actually there's something deep in me. And I think it's actually kind of genetic that leads me to be more of a stockpiler mindset. And that's because my grandmother was a stockpiler in the truest sense of the word, maybe even a little bit of hoarding. Uh, because in her house growing up my entire life, it was full of canned goods, canned goods everywhere, toiletry items everywhere. There was so much stuff in her house. It was amazing because it was like a, a time capsule. And so my dad's bedroom, all of his childhood things were still in there under a bunch of stuff. And my aunt's bedroom was the same way. So we'd pull out old Michael Jackson records and other stuff. And there was one thing in my grandmother's house that was very odd and kind of intriguing that I walk past in her garage. I used to do it every time I went to her house for uh, about 15 years of my life when she was living. And it was something my dad had made himself called a land sailor. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a land sailor. Sometimes they're also called land yachts. And I have a picture of one here. Um, this is a land sailor. It is basically a sailboat on land. And so you can see it has its little base there with wheels 
and then you you have a sail, you you put it up, and you can cruise around the beach, parking lots, the deserts. And my dad actually saw one of these in National Geographic when he was young, and he said, you know what, I'm going to build one of those. And so he began building it, and it's it was there in my grandmother's garage. And, and so you can imagine having this thing in the midst of all the other stuff my grandmother had, you can imagine... My dad and I made so many memories on this land sailor cruising around the parking lots of Conyers, Georgia, uh, taking it to the beach and cruising up and down the beach. I mean, you can imagine we had so much fun on this land sailor. You can imagine all of those things, but here's, here's the truth. None of those things ever happened. None of those things ever happened because in the 15 years that that land sailor sat in the garage, one thing never happened. The sails were never raised on the land sailor. The sails were never raised. And actually, uh, in my grandmother's house, she had a million things, but we never really could find the sails. And so the land sailor actually never went anywhere. And, and it ended up just kind of being uh, another piece of, of junk or just stuff sitting in the garage unused. And this week, I've been thinking about, about this land sailor and how for a lot of us, this is kind of how we feel in our spiritual lives. We feel like we were uniquely created, like we were made for more, like we have a purpose that God has given us. But a lot of times we feel like we're not quite sure how to live out that purpose. We feel kind of complacent in our spiritual lives. And we feel like we're not really going anywhere and we're not living with, with, with the power that God wants us to have. And so I think fundamentally our problem is the same problem as the problem that that land sailor had and the reason why it never really went anywhere. And I think the problem with the land sailor and the problem with a lot of our spiritual lives is that we haven't raised our sails. We haven't raised our sails and so we haven't received the wind or the power that God wants to give us in our spiritual lives that will take us many, many different places. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk with you about. I want to talk with you about how to metaphorically hoist or raise the sails in your life so that you can receive the gift of God's power and presence that he desires for you. And, and when it comes to, to God's power and his presence and this idea of wind and, and thinking about God's power and presence as the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, there's actually a, a very good reason to talk about them in, in terms like this. Because in Greek and Hebrew, the word that's used in, in Greek and Hebrew for wind is also the same word that's translated as spirit. And so in John chapter 3, verse 8, we find Jesus saying this. We find him saying, look, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And now here, the second word in this verse, the wind, the Greek word there is pneuma. The wind, the pneuma blows wherever it pleases. And then at the end, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This Greek word is pneumatos. It's another form of the same word. And so Jesus uses this comparison of the Holy Spirit and wind. And if you think about it, there's a, a lot of good reasons to think of them as being very similar. Because just like the wind, we can't control its speed and we can't control where it leads us. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. We can't control the, the speed or how the Holy Spirit works or where 
the Holy Spirit leads us. And just like the wind, I mean, the wind, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. It's the same with the Holy Spirit, right? We can't see the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in someone's life, in a church. We can see the Holy Spirit moving in power. And just like you can't manufacture true wind in nature, you can't manufacture the Holy Spirit and its movement. And both of them are very, very powerful things. And so what God calls you and I to do um, is we're unable to manufacture his spirit, but he does call us to be filled with the spirit, to receive the power of the spirit in our lives. So how do we do that? I think we do that by basically raising our sails and being ready to receive the Holy Spirit and let its power propel our lives forward. And so this morning, we're going to look at four specific practices, four things we can do, which are kind of like raising ourselves to prepare ourselves to receive the Holy Spirit. These are practices that when we do them, the Holy Spirit meets us and empowers us and guides us into the future. And we find these four practices in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Now, if you joined us last week, you know that, that we're in a sermon series right now on the book of Acts in the Bible. And so if you want to find it, uh, it's right about here. Uh, in, it's in the New Testament. after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, which tell us about Jesus' life. And Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, telling us about Jesus' life, he has a sequel that tells us about the life of the early church and how the Holy Spirit empowered the church to continue the mission and the ministry of Jesus. And so last week we talked about how some of Jesus' final words were to wait on the Holy Spirit, and so the church waited. And then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, did a transforming work, and 3,000 people were added to the church during that time. And one of the things we're going to see throughout the book of Acts is that whenever significant things are happening, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so if you're reading with us, I'd encourage you to read along in Acts with us during the season. Whenever you see the word Spirit or Holy Spirit, I'd encourage you to circle it, underline it, highlight it, whatever you want to do to mark it so you can see how this book, uh, in one sense, could be called Acts of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit guides the church. And so after 3,000 people were added to the church that day, we, we get this next scene that gives us uh, an image of the early church. And so I want to invite you to open up your Bibles if you have them, or the Bible app. We're going to have it here on the screen as well, to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And here is, is what... God's word says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here he's talking about the, the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Sorry. <laughs> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that a beautiful image of the church? 
I mean, it's a beautiful image of the church, and I, I think it's a model really of who we're called to be as the church. And so here we get this beautiful image of the church, and what we find is, is these people who have discovered that Jesus Christ is devoted to them, that Jesus was so devoted to them that he would lay down his very life for them as a sacrifice. And they discover Jesus is so devoted to them that, that he laid down his life and he not only died, but he rose again, and he wants to give them new life now and reconciliation with God so that we can live with him eternally. People have discovered Jesus is so devoted to them. Now they've devoted themselves to his church and to some specific things in their communal life together. And I think these four things are four things that God wants us to continue to do today because as we do them, the Holy Spirit meets us, empowers us, and guides us and helps us go the places that God calls us to go. And so I want to I want to walk with you through those things. I mean, if you if you look here, you'll see there's four things listed. And the first of them in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is this that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, who are the apostles here? The apostles here that Luke is referring to are those 12 disciples who walked with Jesus who knew him intimately, who spent time learning from him, who saw what he did for them, what he did for the world, and and, and what he taught them to do, how he taught them to live in the world. And now, now if you know, Judas has, has left the group, and they've actually, in Acts chapter 1, added a new apostle named Matthias. And Matthias was with them. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry. And so one of the final things in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to the disciples, is he says, look, go, and teach everyone to obey all that I've commanded you to do. And so what, what was the apostles' teaching? Well, the apostles' teaching were the teachings of Jesus, Jesus' commands. And they were, they were telling people, hey, look, Jesus was devoted to you. Now you need to devote your life to him because he's also taught us how to live here and now before we spend eternity with him. And so what were some of the things Jesus commanded people to do? I'd love to hear from you in the chat. Put it in the chat. I mean, when, when you think of things Jesus commanded people to do, what comes to mind? I mean, for me, I think about Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't hate other people. Don't lust after people and after things. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Don't build up for yourselves. Uh, store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treat others as you would want to be treated, right? These are some of the apostles' teachings. And so they taught people to obey these things and to live them out. And as they did, their community had a distinct Jesus-shaped character. And, and now here's the thing. We don't have the apostles with us, but we have the apostles' teachings, we actually know what Jesus commanded us to do throughout the Gospels. And now in the book of Acts and elsewhere, we have other teachings. And so we're called to study Scripture now as a spiritual discipline, as a practice. And as we study Scripture and as we begin living out the teachings of Jesus, the Holy Spirit meets us, fills us, and empowers our lives. And so here people said, look, love above all, right? I mean, when we boil down Jesus's commandments, that's how you can sum them up. Loving God with all we have and loving other people with all we have. And, and so one of the things they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. And I'd encourage you to devote yourself to the same thing by reading scripture, 
during the season. We're going to be in the book of Acts. So I'd encourage you just start at Acts chapter one, read a chapter a day. And as you come across the apostles teaching and these things that Jesus wants us to do, I'd encourage you not to just think about them, but actually live them out in your daily life. Because it's not enough to just hear the word. We're called to be doers of the word. And here, here's the other thing. I mean, when we do this, it's like raising our sails, correct? But then when we, when we know what we should do and we refuse to do it, it's also kind of like taking down our sails or elsewhere in scripture, what we hear called quenching the spirit. And, and so this is one of the things we're, we're called to do is to devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. But then it doesn't stop there. I mean, if you, you read, Luke continues on, and he says they were also devoted to fellowship. Now, why were they devoted to fellowship? Why was this important? This is important because when people became Christians, they were born again. But when they were born again, they were born again into a new family, the family of God. Christianity isn't meant to be a solo affair. Christianity isn't meant to be a religion where, where we can all just sit isolated from one another on our screens and, and do life together. Christianity was, is a religion, is founded upon this idea that God is building a community. And here's the thing, whenever God wants to do something in the world, God gathers people together. So in the Old Testament, what does God do? God has the nation of Israel. He calls a people. In the New Testament, what does God do? God calls and creates the church. And it's as we're gathered in fellowship with other believers that the Holy Spirit meets us. And now what we see in the fellowship in, in the book of Acts, you're going to find, is that this wasn't superficial and shallow fellowship and community. What's happening in the early church is deep unity and deep community among people. They didn't just say hey to each other once a week and then ignore people the rest of the week. They were dedicated to one another. They were laying their lives down and sacrificing for one another. The grace of God had so transformed their lives that it began to transform the relationships around them. And so one thing they began to do was to put people over possessions. And so they had, they had stuff and they said, you know what, if there's people in our community in need, we're willing to sell things so that they can have money to be taken care of. Hey, if people need food, I'm willing to sell this field I have so that other people can have food. We find them dedicated to one another and um, receiving love and sharing love with others. And this is the same for us. You know, a lot of times we think, you know what? I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I want God to speak with me. And so I'm gonna go in the woods by myself for three weeks. I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna pray. And now here's the thing. I do think a lot of times God speaks when we tune out other noise and we get in solitude. But another powerful way that God speaks to us is in community. It's through fellowship with other Christians. I mean, when you need encouragement, a lot of times it's when we gather together when we receive encouragement from other people. When you need wisdom, a lot of times the best thing you can do is to go to other people in the midst of fellowship, let them know your situation. And it's a lot of times through other people that the Holy Spirit gives wisdom. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I, I, when I'm in need of love and I'm feeling kind of down, it's through the love of other people in community that I experience God's love for me. And so here, here's something interesting that, that happened recently. Uh, one of our small groups, they emailed me towards the beginning of this and they said, hey, we want to be basically in Acts chapter two church. 
We want to be a church where people's needs are met. And so do you know anybody in the church who has a need during this time financially, spiritually? They just need to talk with somebody. They need yard work. Let us know. And actually during the time, this is right at the beginning, um, we didn't have anybody who had expressed clear need to us. But we know now that things have gone on, perhaps you have a very clear need this morning. Perhaps you've been praying for God to make a way and maybe in the midst of this gathered online fellowship, uh, this is the Holy Spirit's answer to you. And so this small group, their offer still stands. And so if you have a need in your life this morning, a practical, financial, tangible, whatever need you have, contact us through our website so we can connect you with them so we can help meet your need. That's what we're called to do as a Christian fellowship. And that's why meeting together, not meeting together is so hard because we were created to do life together with one another. And so that's the second practice that we see is that they devoted themselves to fellowship. And the third practice they devoted themselves to was the breaking of bread. And I know what you're thinking here. You're you're thinking, now look, pastor, I'm not great at, you know, coming to church all the time. I'm not great at studying the scriptures and living out all these commands of Jesus, but I have this one down. I am great at breaking bread. And I'll be honest with you. Look, I've been great at breaking bread during this pandemic. I, I've been breaking egos. I've been breaking banana nut bread. Donna Lummis brought me some. I've been, I've been breaking, you know, pizza. That's kind of a type of bread. I've been break, break, breaking a lot of bread and maybe you have too. And, and uh, at a level, that is what, what we're reading here is that the early church devoted themselves to eating together, but not just eating together on their own for for psychological comfort like many of us do. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And what this meant in their culture was eating around tables with other people. And in their culture, when you ate with other people, it was a sign of unity. It was a sign of friendship. It was a sign of connection, of barriers being broken down. And one of the beautiful pictures we get here in Acts chapter 2 is is that when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church at Pentecost, there were people from all over the world gathered in Jerusalem. There were different languages, different cultures, different backgrounds. They would have all have grown up eating different foods or speaking different languages. But after the Holy Spirit came, it drew people together and they began eating in one another's homes. They began breaking bread. And I love that it says they were glad and they had sincere hearts. And so the Holy Spirit met them and gave them power and guidance and encouragement as they gathered around tables and ate together. And you might not have ever thought of eating as a spiritual practice. And last week I made a joke and I said, the mission of the church is not to host potlucks. I need to walk that back a little bit because one of the reasons we have potlucks is because of this verse right here. And because some of Jesus's most profound ministry moments happened at tables with other people. And it's been true in my life as well. For many years of my life, actually about six years of my life, every Thursday morning, I ate breakfast at Mrs. Winner's Chicken and Biscuits. Okay, if you've never been to Mrs. Winner's, they shut down for a while, but now they're back. And there's one here in Henry County. You can go there. You can get it, get it from lunch. Tell them I sent you. They don't give me a kickback. But I used to go to Mrs. Winner's Chicken and Biscuits every Thursday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. And I would gather there with other leaders from my church. I was in seventh grade, from seventh grade to 12th grade. I'd gather there with about three or four other leaders from my church. And I look, gathered around chicken biscuits and sweet tea and, and uh, steak biscuits and cinnamon rolls every week. 
we, we didn't always open up the Bible and read it together. We didn't typically confess our deepest, darkest sins to one another. We didn't, we didn't like give a bunch of life advice. What we did is we sat around those tables and we simply shared life together. And when I had questions, I'd ask the people who were ahead of me in life. And when they had questions about what it was like to be young in today's world, they would ask me. And then at the end, we'd pray for one another. And it was through those meals at Mrs. Winters that the Holy Spirit met me, helped confirm the calling to minister upon my life, helped give me wisdom to prevent a lot of bad decisions in high school. It was around that table at Mrs. Winters, breaking bread, that the Holy Spirit impacted my life. And here's the thing, as you break bread with other people, as you spend time in deep fellowship, the Holy Spirit will meet you and the Holy Spirit will empower you as well. And then the final thing we see is that they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. And, and one thing I want you to note as you begin reading the book of Acts is that whenever big things are happening, it usually happens after prayer. And after prayer is usually when the Holy Spirit shows up. And we talked about this some last week. And so on the day of Pentecost, they were waiting in prayer and the Holy Spirit came and moved in power. Later, we see the disciples praying for boldness. They're hoisting a sail. They're saying, God, we can't manufacture boldness on our own, but your Holy Spirit can give it. And as they pray for boldness, the Holy Spirit gives them boldness and they begin going around the world in the midst of persecution, sharing the message of Jesus. Later, Peter, Paul, Silas, others are imprisoned and they pray. The Holy Spirit opens the doors. Other times people come with very real needs for healing. People pray. The Holy Spirit shows up and moves in power. And now here, here's the thing with prayer. You don't have to be some great person of prayer that uses these and thous or anything like that. I, I use this illustration a lot, but prayer a lot of times is like talking to my parents on the phone. It doesn't matter if it's been a day since I talked to them. It doesn't matter if it's been three weeks since I talked to them. Every time I call, they're glad to hear my voice and to talk with me. And it's the same way with God and with you. And so maybe you've never really prayed in your life. God is welcoming you to pray and to talk with him this morning. Maybe it was just this morning, but you have another need this afternoon, or you just want to thank God for this beautiful day. Go to God this afternoon. Prayer is simply talking with God. And as we talk with God and communion with him, we grow in that relationship and the Holy Spirit meets us and empowers us. And, and I love how, how Luke kind of wraps up this beautiful image of the church here. He simply adds this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved saved. And, and what was happening in their community is that as they lived out these things, uh, it became very attractive to the world around them. They basically were living out Jesus's words. I don't know if you remember these. He said, look, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And as they loved for one another, as they sacrificed for one another financially and in many other ways, as they had this life together in the midst of their politically, religiously, socioeconomically divided world, much like ours, in the midst of their divided world, their community was a beautiful thing that attracted other people to them. And people said, look, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of whatever this kingdom and whatever this community is. That was the effect on people around them. 
and the effect on them? Well, the effect on them is that as they lived out these practices together, as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, they were filled with joy, even in the midst of hard circumstances. They were filled with compassion. They were filled with love. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit transformed them. And the Holy Spirit began to use them to transform the world around them. And this is what the Spirit wants to do through us. And so this week, I want to encourage you. Devote yourselves to these things. And you may have noticed during this time when when our church has had to simplify things because we're doing them online, what have we devoted ourselves to? Well, the apostles' teaching. That's what we study on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday night in Bible study. We've devoted ourselves to fellowship. That's why we do this live, so you can chat with one another. And that's why we do Bible studies, so that you can have fellowship with one another. We've devoted ourselves to prayer on Tuesday nights. And and look, when we get back as soon as we can, and it's sanitary and safe, we're going to break bread together. And we're going to feast, and we're going to celebrate over tables our reunion together because God created us for community. And when we're living out this type of community, it is attractive to the world. And so this week, I want to encourage you to raise your sails. Raise your sails and see where the Holy Spirit leads you. And now look, I'll just tell you this. Uh, The Holy Spirit's probably not going to lead you to Turks and Caicos in the Caribbean, uh, like many of you have been wanting to go to with all your cruises that have been canceled. The Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't promise us uh, that He's going to lead us to those places. But what the Holy Spirit does promise us is that wherever we go, wherever God leads us, we will have peace, we will have God's presence, and we will have God's power available to us. And so now this morning, I'd like to pray for each of those things in my life and your life and in our life together. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We can't manufacture your presence. We can't manufacture your power, but we can simply make ourselves available to you. We can raise our sails and be ready to receive you as a gift in our lives. And we know that you want to pour yourselves out on us and on all of God's people and on our life together. And so this morning, we pray that you would help us to to see how devoted Jesus was to us and that you would help us devote ourselves to these things, to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, that during this season where we don't know what to do and where we're feeling isolated, that we would come together as a church in the midst of community, that we would support one another, and that even over these digital airwaves, that we would be an attractive community for the world, that as they see us loving one another, they would experience your love as well. And so Holy Spirit, we ask this morning, that you would fill us with your presence. We ask that you would fill us with your power. We ask that you would fill us with your peace, no matter what the future holds for us. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.